If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey there, and welcome back. This is KT from KT's Money Matters coming to you with your tips and quips and ideas about money, how to grow it, save it, invest it, and uh, multiply it like rabbits. You guys know by now that, you know, I do love a hardworking woman because, you know, recently written that book, The Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money. So when I find women out there in the workforce that are building their own adventures and, and breaking out to do some different things professionally and taking some big risks, I like to kind of get an opportunity to showcase them. We recently had Gina McInnes on the show. She was on to just talk about her company, Mentor Happy, which is an online subscription, job search, job career, resume writing, professional coaching and development site that, you know, has kind of a live component and an, and an online component. And to tell you the truth, I was fascinated with that kind of business model because I think, you know, when I think about the future, I think this could be a really interesting thing to develop. So let me remind you a little bit about Gina. She has been recognized nationally as a thought leader in professional development. She's a certified resume writer and career coach at Mentor Happy, a national resume and career development service. Gina leverages more than 17 programs for Fortune 100 companies to help busy professionals find career happiness by giving you the tools, the resources, the confidence you need to succeed. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to NewDaySolutions.com for more information. Gina, thanks for coming back to the show. Thanks for having me, KT. I'm happy to be back. So I was fascinated when we were talking about your company, which you had built as, so, I mean, you had an original company, which I think is really fun. We can kind of go back and talk a little bit about how you ever decided to become self-employed and how you jumped into that. Because I always think I have a large population of the Money Matters community that either run their own companies or dream of someday running their own company. So how did you decide to jump in and build your own business? Sure. So 17 years ago, I uh, worked in talent acquisition, you know, HR capacity, and um, just really started to realize that the work that I was doing, while I enjoyed it, I enjoyed helping candidates and, and clients, um, that, that maybe I was missing out on a little bit more and really started kicking around the idea of, you know, could I do this for myself? Could I start my own recruiting company, my own staffing company? And I wasn't married at the time. Um, so single, you know, kind of doing life on my own and thought, okay, how do we, how, how do I make this happen? And, and, and am I ready to take the leap? And just 
probably out of out of craziness, just decided to to go for it and take that risk and just jumped off the edge and, and started a recruiting company. So I started an organization called A Players Executive Search Group, and, and that company is still in business. I still own and operate that organization. Just kind of took one day at a time and really went out. And, and my my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband, had, had always said, you know, you've got to find that, that one game changer, you know, that one client that changes it all. And I was fortunate within the, the first six months of, of my business to land some small clients, but also capture that big one, you know, my first Fortune 100 uh, client. And that was that really made a difference and, and really kind of started the entire process. And, and we just kind of slowly grew organically through that, um, through that business. You know, that's really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about the recruiting business itself. Can you just explain like the nuts and bolts of how companies decide to engage recruiters or is it recruiters bringing candidates to companies or is it companies looking for recruiters who will bring candidates? That's a little bit of both, to be honest. I mean, it is a, a very, very hard industry. Um, it's, a, it's very much a, a sales industry. Um, so, you know, you will get referrals, you will get clients that come back and they appreciate your work and and um, will come back and, and visit time and time again and, and give you that steady business. But it's not without a lot of dedication and hard work. And most of the recruiting industry is based on uh, what's called a contingent search, which simply means um, the firm and, and the recruiters don't get paid unless they are able to place a candidate. So you have a client, your client says, hey, we need to hire a, a CFO or an accountant or what have you. And then you go out and, and you actively search and try to find, you know, this this awesome diamond in the rough. And it's a, a rewarding business, but it's very hard because at the end of the day, if the client, you know, places someone on their own or they, you know, promote an internal candidate, all of the months of hard work that you've done to go out and recruit for this organization pretty much goes out the window because, again, you're only paid that fee um, when you're able to bring a candidate to the table who's hired and is actively employed with the organization. So for those of you out there that are thinking about maybe recruiting is an occupation, what you need to know is you have to probably have uh, either low cost of living or a pretty good cash reserve and a willingness to face a little rejection that gets between you and your paycheck. That is exactly true. It is it is very, very much a hard business. And um, it's, it's emotionally difficult from for all the reasons you said. And then also financially, you know, it's not a guaranteed steady income. And, and I think most businesses are that way, especially in your early days. But it is it's something that's um, it, it's not for everyone. And, and it is a difficult business to be in. But it's rewarding. It's awesome to help people better themselves professionally, help them get that higher salary, climb that ladder. So it is something that um, if your heart's in the right spot and you're willing to really work hard and put time in, um, it can be very rewarding, not only financially, but also um, from the, the, the human side of, of life as well. So let me ask you a question. Are recruiters, for the most part, specialists within a industry or, or do they tend to be broad-based or is it kind of a mix? I would say most of them are specialists. I think the very good ones are specialists um, because it's very, very hard to, you know, if you don't understand the medical field, it's very hard to recruit in that space. If you don't understand the accounting field, it's very hard to recruit in that space. And so it's not impossible. You will find what is called a a quote unquote generalist out there. Um, But I think for the most part, um, recruiters that are successful tend to play in a a niche market and, and, you know, focus in one profession or one area. When you focus in one spot, not only do you have a, a wealth of knowledge in that area and you're able to, to have you know, good business conversations with clients and candidates, uh, but it also helps your referral pipeline because as you work in a specific area, um, you'll find that 
from a professional standpoint, everybody kind of kind of runs in a circle. And so when you do a good job and, and you have clients that really appreciate the work that you do, they'll tell a friend who tells a friend who tells a friend. And so it will, you know, bring you business back both from the client side and candidate side when you focus in one area and one vocation. So is most of your work, most of your work is in uh, medical and accounting, correct? Well, we're pretty much, as a firm, we work across the board. So I have, you know, individuals that work in engineering and sales and, and operations and everything in between. Now, I specifically have always done uh, the bulk of my work in accounting and finance and um, have done a lot of uh, business within insurance companies, financial services companies, uh, CPA firms, that type of, of area. But as an organization, we work across the board. So we do work from a specialist standpoint. Um, everyone on our, our team does focus in a specific vocation and area and also a career level. If you're at an executive level, we're going to partner you with a recruiter that has that um, executive experience and understands what, what needs to happen to place a CEO or CFO. But if you're early in your career, we're going to put you with someone who has more experience in that space to really help you navigate that process and, and be able to feel comfortable with, with the recruiter you're working with. You know, it's so funny because I always think, Gina, that everybody thinks everything in the world is done on the internet now and we don't need any of these go-between people. But that's actually not true, that corporations prefer to work with recruiters who do some pre-screening so that they have more time with the right candidates versus too much time with all the candidates. I think that's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, and I think right now in the current market we're in, you know, we're sitting in a, you know, an unemployment market that, you know, 17 years that I've been doing this, I have never seen. And, and I think that um, low unemployment number, you know, when you're looking at a 3.6 unemployment rate, what that equates to in business is I can't find people, you know, I cannot find talent to come in and, and fill vacancies. If someone quits, it's very hard to, to fill. And then also as the economy has been doing so well, you know, knock on wood, we've, we've had a great run here over the last decade or so. And as that is, has continued to, to grow, it fuels job growth, which then puts employers in a position where they're out seeking talent. So that's really where a good recruiter can come into play and, and be able to help an organization actively recruit those passive candidates. So, you know, it's not so much that a recruiter is going to be on a job board and just, you know, easily pull down a bunch of resumes and send that to a, a client company. A recruiter is really going to go out there and pound the pavement and find individuals that aren't active in the market. Somebody, you know, that maybe has an awesome profile on LinkedIn where you can say, wow, this person's done some great things. I'm going to reach out to them and see if they're interested in this opportunity. So that's where a recruiter really helps an organization um, find some of those needles in a haystack, diamond in the rough, whatever you want to call it. Um, but those candidates that are not necessarily out there, easy to find. Can you talk a little bit about how people come to recruiting as a profession? Is it typically from an HR capacity or maybe within a particular industry? And a little bit about how you become a recruiter. If I've got people like listening, thinking about, you know, what their career path looks like in the future. Can you talk a little bit about your career and what kind of paths to it make sense? And Sure, absolutely. So I, I think that the um, the two paths that align most easily are uh, sales and somebody coming out of, of human resources. And I bring sales into the mix because I think there is a an idea or a concept that when you work in the recruiting industry, um, you have this you know 
great, happy life where you're just helping candidates find better jobs and, and you're, you're kind of pushing paper all day long. And it's really not that. It really is more of a sales first environment because you have to bring clients to the table that are willing and, and interested in doing business with your firm. And then you also have to bring candidates to the table. You know, it's not like selling a lawnmower where you, you know, approach a, a customer and say, hey, do you want to buy this lawnmower? And they say, yeah. And they put it in their trunk and they drive away. This sales process is much more, much more difficult because you have a client that you need to bring to the table and can convince them to do business. And then you have a candidate that you need to bring to the table and convince them to, to possibly turn their life upside down, you know, to take this new job and, and put themselves out there and go through that interview process. And because you are dealing with passive candidates, there is a process that you need to kind of go through with that individual to help them self-realize that this would be a good career opportunity and a good move for them. So there is a lot of sales involved in the recruiting business. So if somebody comes out of the HR world, they understand talent acquisition, they understand the relationship between a hiring manager uh, and a candidate. I think that is, is great, but they also have to have that personality where they're able to put themselves out there, carry on a conversation, put themselves in in uncomfortable spots and be willing to hear no and get back up and do it again and get back up the next day and do it one more time. So there's a a ton of rejection and a ton of, I think, uh, self-motivation that needs to take place for somebody in the recruiting business. And and I think that's why folks coming out of the sales industry do well in this space. And, and, you know, I've, I've had folks on my team that have come from the accounting world that, um, you know, they're great with crunching numbers, but but at the end of the day, that's not their passion, that they have a personality that that really lends towards this type of work. And so they they really can do an awesome job by, by being able to be a, a subject matter expert within their field, um, but also use their personality and some of their um, interpersonal skills to, to their advantage as well. So I wouldn't want to say there's one path that someone must take, but I think the key component is that out, outgoing personality, someone who's very aggressive, um, someone who's innovative, you know, eager and willing to go out there and dig for business and make it happen. So you guys out there, you know who you are, the people that are willing to get out on the limb. But that's not all you've done, Gina. So in the midst, we talked a couple of weeks ago about um, your company, Mentor Happy. Along the way, and here's what I'll say, there are a lot of companies and a lot of industries and a lot of ways that people do things that are evolving frankly, really rapidly. And that a lot of times companies and individuals are just not keeping up. They're just, you know, this way's always worked and therefore we're always going to go this way. We really don't want to change our model. But in the middle of a long stretch of successful model as a recruiter, you decide to look at the other side of the equation and build Mentor Happy, which is a portal for job training and education and, and leading to all kinds of other you know, seeking job skills that maybe job seekers don't have. And so you and I talked a little bit about seeing that there was a real gap between what companies said they wanted and what people were bringing to the marketplace. But what made you decide that you were going to be the person that went out and tried to fill that gap? So at A Players, we obviously deal with a lot of hiring managers and a, and a lot of candidates. And going back um, about 10 years ago, we, to your point, saw, saw a gap in the marketplace. And that gap represented, represented um, a lack of candidate readiness, meaning we were you know, finding talent, we were finding uh, great skilled people, um, but they were not fully able and, and prepared to go through the interview process. It really became obvious to us that we were spending a lot of time um, on the recruiting side trying to uh, get candidates up to speed, help them with their resume, help them with their interview skills. And, and that's really not what a recruiting firm does. And when I noticed that this was taking place, I, I recognized that this 
resource that we have, you know, this knowledge that we have, our industry experience and, and the things that we know is really wasted because we spend our time on the recruiting side supporting clients, you know, and helping them get what they want out of the process, helping them fill their positions and what they need. And really, um, you kind of miss out on the candidate experience and maybe what a candidate needs. And so I thought to myself, could there be a bridge there where we're able to, you know, help individuals that that want to make more money, they want to climb the ladder, but they're confused. They don't know which way to turn. They, they're not sure how to put themselves out there, how to market themselves and really stand out in the crowd. Could we help them and, and facilitate that and, and help them, you know, by creating a better resume and LinkedIn profile and polishing their interview skills. So that's how we started Mentor Happy, to, to really help candidates control their destiny a little bit more, where it's not just an employer's market, where you're able to, to, to go out and effectively drive your own career path, drive your own career strategy, and um, make an impact for yourself. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the subscription business. I feel like I see this coming to the market a lot now, the idea of pay a little bit of money every month and get access to a whole bunch of my stuff. And then if you want to buy a little bit more, you can pay extra for that. And I think it's become a really interesting way for consumers to buy the services that they want for the time that they want them, and then ultimately decide to move on when they're ready to move on versus say make a lifetime commitment with someone that they're going to talk to them forever. I always think about, you know, my my own roots in financial services where you know, most of my clients have worked with me for decades and they never call anybody else because they just call me and and their kids and younger people coming along are kind of like, "Listen, can I just get what I need from you when I need it from you and then move on to the next time I really need something?" This group of adults coming to market are a little less I don't want to say they're not relationship oriented because I don't mean it like some, wow, they just don't care. I don't mean it that way. I mean that they're moving a little quicker and that they need more information quicker, sooner, more specific to what they really want. And they're willing to pay for the right to get that information, how and when and where they want it. But not for everything. But you run a subscription business called Mentor Happy. And I was hoping you could talk a little bit about how a subscription business works, what made you decide to build the business this way, what do you think, you know, pitfalls have been, what, what have you been learning opportunities and share with our audience some about, you know, how to do this. I've seen people do it with all oh. kinds of things. So you're just kind of my first business owner who's actually done this. Okay. I'm, I'm happy to share. So with Mentor Happy, um, you know, when we started the, uh, that arm of our business, and in fact, we started it under a different name. We've rebranded um, the organization since, since we first launched. But when we first started, you know, 10 years ago, we really just provided one-on-one services, you know, coaching between a coach and, and a, a customer. As we went through that process, we recognized exactly what, what you're talking about, KT, is a younger generation. They want that help. They want that development. They want that um, assistance, but they're not as interested in that long-term engagement and, and quite frankly, the expense that goes with that. And so we decided, you know, what could we do to, to help younger individuals really get the help and the career advice that they need in a way that's more comfortable to them, to be honest, and really more useful to them. Because I think the younger generation is 
I don't want to say more transactional because I think that kind of sounds sounds negative and I don't mean it that way, but they are, they're moving at a faster pace. And, and to your point, they want things immediately. And so they need something that they're able to tap right into. They don't need to make an appointment. You know, they can jump on when they have a minute and, and take advantage of, of that help. And so that's really how we started the subscription business. And I'll be honest, I've never, you know, done anything like that and, and kind of had the mindset that this would be easy, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better term. I, I thought that I could just turn this on and away we go. <laughs> yeah, how hard could it be? That's exactly right. But um, it, it's difficult. It is not easy. Um, it's not easy to build. It's not easy to uh, run. It's very, very time consumptive and very expensive to, to actually get launched and make happen. And I scraped my knees a lot. You know, there was a lot of work that went into it. And, you know, you need custom web development, which comes at a, at a heavy price. And, and there's just a lot that happens to, to get something like this up and running. I think for us, some of our early success with it, to be quite honest, was the fact that um, we do have a successful business. And, and what that allows us is capital and, and the ability to put money into something that is expensive to get off the ground and, and to market and to make happen. And I also think we had an existing client base. Um, you know, we've worked in this industry for 17 years and, and have that, that customer base that is familiar with us. We have um, brand recognition and, and a lot of contacts that we're able to tap into that, you know, whether they use the, the service themselves or know someone who might be interested. So we had the fortune of that wind behind our, our back, but the launching of it, the building of it, it is not for the faint of heart. It is not something that, you know, I see things all the time. They, oh, just start start a class or start this, you know, reoccurring payment system with this, you know, course that you build. And and for some folks that might work in it and they might have great success with it. Um, but I can tell you from a, a firsthand experience, it's, it's not something that um, is that simple. You know, it's not that simple to, to make happen. And then it's not that simple to drive people to it. It's not. It's not that simple and, it, and it's very expensive. So, um, you know, when you think about marketing and, and specifically digital marketing, very, very expensive to control that and, and make that happen. And it's, you know, if you put yourself out there and say, well, you know, I could I could get a, a Google account and, and, you know, run ads and, and people are just going to, you know, drive themselves over. It, it doesn't happen like that. And, and you're competing with other brands and other companies and not just brands within your area of focus in your niche, but also uh, bigger companies, you know, that are out there also paying for those, that ad space. So it becomes very, very competitive and very expensive very quickly. And then I think also there's an education process that takes place. Um, so you're, you're not going to put an ad online and, and have somebody just, you know, jump over to your website and, and make a purchase. You know, they, they want to better understand what they're getting into and, and be comfortable with your brand and um, your service offering and, and how do you go to market and how you support your business. And so you have to, to really constantly monitor all of your actions. You know, it's not as simple as just, you know, putting an ad out there and sitting on the couch and, and watching TV and waiting for this money to just start trickling in. There's a lot of, of behind the scenes activities that take place to, to get to that point. You know, it's really funny. Every once in a while, you'll see somebody who I keep thinking, I can't remember her name now. This is so at one point she was really running this really big YouTube channel around exercising. And then she started selling her training plans and she was going to do this and she was going to do that. And she, was, and she had a big following on YouTube. And then of course she didn't deliver on all of the stuff that she said she was going to for this, whatever it was, $350 fee. And then the people on social media, just all the followers that loved her, then just, it was like this rabid thing where they basically just cannibalized her in no time. 
and and part of it is because easy come easy go right so if you're on the internet and you build a you build an offering what you really need to know is if you're not delivering on that offering you're out there doing this right on main street people that find you on on the internet or social media or through connections or however it's done they are going to go back to that same place and say hey this person's not doing what they say they're going to do in this. There's always some risk about what you say you're going to deliver versus how people perceive what it is you said you were going to deliver. And I'm wondering, like, absolutely, absolutely. Get any kind of insight into that ideas and tips for people to kind of keep themselves safe? Absolutely. And, and I think for me, it's business ethics 101. And so if you're not, um, whether you have an online business that you want to start or a brick and mortar or, you know, whatever it is that you're thinking about doing, your ethics in business at the end of the day are really all that you have going for you. You know, if you cannot uh, deliver and, and you cannot support your customers and, and do what you say you're going to do, then you really have just little chance of success and, and regardless of, of what avenue you're pursuing to to you know, launch a business. So I think that is, is really important. And I think that if you're not prepared to, um, you know, my motto is, is I'm always going to go the extra mile. You know, I'm, I'm always going to be one level above uh, what the right thing to do is. And, and I think you have to have that approach because whether it's an online situation where everyone's on social media bashing you, or you've got a client that you've really disappointed and they tell a friend who tells a friend, you might not realize that word of mouth travels very, very quickly. And that same word of mouth that is going to get you referral business and repeat business is the same word of mouth that, that really will sink you. And it's very, very hard to come back from that. So I think if you really, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking about doing something for yourself and, and becoming an entrepreneur, uh, you always have to make sure you're on the right side of a good decision. And sometimes that means, you know, taking a, taking a kick in the teeth and, and maybe having a situation where um, maybe a client hasn't done you right, but, but you're the bigger person and, and you go the extra mile. And, and that's just a, a philosophy that I have always, always embraced. And it served me well. And I think that is just key to, to success in business. That's right. You can be right and wrong at the same time. You know, that's yeah. like one of the things I've been, I've been working with the public, you know, really my whole career. So I don't know, almost 30 years. And what I'll say is every once in a while, you'll get into a conversation and somebody will be like, well, I, I didn't understand it that way. And it's like, well, you know, you own your communication. They kind of own how they hear it, but being right at the expense of your client isn't exactly like worth it. Sometimes you just absolutely. Go, I'm really sorry about that. What could I do to get us by that? And then you Absolutely. and you move on, right? You make it right and you move on. Even if you could sit down and say, well, this wasn't really my fault. I didn't really do this. And they were supposed to call me back and they never did, whatever. All that's irrelevant because you can be right and still be wrong. Yes. And regardless of your staff size, regardless of what you're, what, what you're doing, you know, at the end of the day, as a business owner, you are the foundation and, and you are the person that makes everything work or, or, you know, ultimately makes it fail and your decisions really will play into to the success of your business. So if you're not prepared to do the right thing and if you don't have a personality that allows you to, you know, take a step back in, in the most heated of situations and have a calm thought and really find a solution to solve for your client's needs, um, then you, you're going to have a tough time being successful regardless of, of what your, your focus is. Right. I mean, unless you're working in a little lab by yourself and you never have to work with the public, these are like basic nuts and bolts skills. You know, I mean, one of the things I think that people come to the marketplace thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm just going to work with people. And, 
you know, I'll help them find jobs or I'll help them figure out what to do with their money and it's going to be great and everybody's going to be happy. And it's like, then people get a job they didn't really like or people, you know, the market falls down and people go, what happened? I lost money in the market. I didn't think I'd lose that much or whatever it is, right? Because people are going to do something that doesn't always work out the way that they want it to work out. And they're going to come back to you and they're going to say, hey, you help me help, help me get this done. Blah, blah, blah. Here's why it didn't work out. And it's okay to just say, you know, like I, I say to my staff all the time, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Sometimes you just got to jump in there and figure out how to help people over the bridge and get it resolved. You're in the people business. You know, we work with people. You have to take care of them. And I just think yeah. that if you don't have that temperament, you're kind of, you're going to die a thousand little deaths trying to work with the public. Yes. And I, and I think you bring a good point um, that kind of ties back into uh, the subscription business and, and this online business. And that is, is social media. And not only how much social media controls our lives and, and where you get you know customer feedback online and things like that. But I think social media today has presented a very pretty picture of how easy it is to start a business, how easy it is to launch a business. And, you know, people have all these followers and there, there's, you know, it looks great. It looks so easy. But but what you don't know is, you know, have they paid for those followers or what are they doing that, that it has allowed that to, to grow? And in some instances, it's awesome businesses out there making awesome things happen. But you also have to go into that situation. If you're considering, you know, taking your life savings and, and dumping it into uh, launching a business, you really have to be realistic about what you're seeing online and, and what the real story is. You know, is this um, something that, you know, you could replicate and, and do yourself? Or is this something that's maybe a pie in the sky? And it's very easy when, you know, you talked about the the YouTube person who's out there making free videos and she's got this big following and then, you know, she either makes a, in her instance, I guess, a, a very bad business decision. Um, but, but even somebody who says, wow, I've got all these followers. How do I monetize this? You know, how do I right. turn this into something where I'm making money on this? And it's hard to do because people are happy to um, follow things that are free and, and not, you know, necessarily costing that's them right. anything, just something that they're absorbing and that they enjoy. But when it comes time to, to charge for that, uh, it's a horse of a different color. And so that would be, I, I think, in today's digital market, something to really consider before you leap in, into starting your own business is, you know, make sure you do your research and you understand what you're getting into. You understand the marketplace. You understand the, the competitors that are in that space and, and really your value proposition. What are you going to do in, in the market to disrupt it or shake it up, to be different, to be unique? Uh, because if you don't find that, if you're not able to create that. Um, it, it's a noisy, noisy, noisy market, and it's very hard to stand out. So I, I think that's just word to the wise, you know, don't be fooled by what you're seeing online and make sure you um, do some research and, and understand what you're trying to, to build before you start building it. Right. Because I think, you know, I've never met a self-employed person that didn't think a subscription business would be a really great moneymaker because then the money just comes in every month. But the reality is many of them fail. Many yeah. of them fail because they spend a lot of money building something that's not stable. It crashes and people leave. They build something and they, you know, that I, you know, I, we will build it. They will come by the way, not true. You can build it and they still might not come or they might come. And then somebody over there takes the exact same idea and puts little rainbows in the display. And then the next thing you know, they're following them and not you. 
It is. And it, it's very, very difficult to, you know, find your niche and, and find your voice. And I think that if you go into it um, without having some understanding of that, uh, it, it just makes it even more difficult to, to make that happen. And to your point with, you know, having a stable um, environment, there's just so many things that that I learned, you know, through building these um, th- this online business, you just, server support and, and just things, expenses that you really don't think about because it's very easy to go out and, and get a GoDaddy account and, and build a website on there, right? You know, that's just very easy to do. But when sure you is. need it to support <laughs> when you need it to support a user base and you need it to support a, a, a load of people, you know, on your site at once and doing things and downloading things and watching videos and, and all of that stuff, it, it requires a large server and, and activity, you know, to, to support that and a team to support that. And and then, you know, you get into the expense. So it's just uh it's it's one of those things that I think if you're not really clear about what it is you're trying to, to design and create, uh, it can become overwhelming. And, and really, you can spend a lot of time, energy, money, and frustration on something that you might not ever even get off the ground because you didn't realize what it took to make that happen. So one of the other things that I've seen a lot of out there so this is kind of my cautionary tale to those of you who think about building a subscription service, is I've actually looked into this, looking at building a financial advice subscription service. And kind of mirroring it with a, you know, CFP on demand that you could talk to on the phone or, and then, you know, some online offerings. And there have probably been, I would say, four really big sites built that investment firms, you know, those people with like all of the money in the world decide that they're going to build a site like this or they buy a site from somebody who built it and then they try to run it and then they abandon it because they can't figure out how to monetize it either and it's too expensive to run. So, you know, there's always a group of little, you know, financial people out there going, I wonder why we can't figure this out on the internet. But the reality is nobody's been able to figure it out yet. Doesn't mean somebody won't, but it's because there's so much free information out there that people think they can just go find things for free. Why would I pay you? Even if you get me there quicker, I'm doing a pretty good job getting there fast on my own. And so if you're thinking about your subscription business and it's, you know, what I love about yours is it's very niche specific. It's like, are you trying to become better at your career? Are you, you know, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You're investing in yourself when you use a site like Mentor Happy and you get your resume redone and you, instead of doing all the legwork with your, yourself and learning everything from scratch, what you're saying is I'm offloading some of this and I want to learn at a quicker, faster pace and I don't want to have to learn. I don't want to have to go everywhere. That's what I love about it. So the other thing I loved about it is people get to pay while they're using it and then they can stop when they don't want to. So the other big trick with subscription businesses, like gym memberships, they go on and on and on and on and people forget to cancel them. And that's one of the, I think one of the roadblocks to having people sign up is this idea that they feel trapped. You know, what happens if I want to get out and I can't get out and, uh, and they feel trapped. So I think the idea of giving people a way out you know, you build a site and, you know, you try to drive traffic to it. And at the same time, the one thing you don't want to do is keep people that are upset in your community stuck there because they will harpoon you if they can't get out. So this idea and, of using and, that too, you know, being smart about what you're building and what you think your real value proposition is and how you keep the people that come to that site happy. And that's true. And I think it goes, that goes back to business ethics. You know, for us, you can cancel anytime and 
um, you're able to do so on your dashboard. You know, you have a dashboard that you log into and you're able to go in there and cancel it. It's not, you don't need to call us. We don't need to jump through hoops. You just, you don't need to talk to us about it at all if you don't want to. You just go in and cancel it. And we also send um, notifications out to you before your uh, renewal date so that you're reminded, hey, if, if you don't want to continue this process, don't forget to, to go in and cancel that. So we're very transparent with it. And that's just me and who I am and, and how we go to market. And, and I think it's, um, not only do I think it's smart, I think it's the right thing to do to your point, uh, yeah. because we want it. We want an engaged audience. You know, we want people that when we do our live stream coaching sessions, we want people to show up with great career questions that we're helping. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to have a business where I feel like we're, you know, tricking people into, to, you know, taking their money and, and the fees are, are very inexpensive for what we do. But it's it's still that that feeling of, you know, making sure you're running an honest business that somebody is getting value from uh, and that you're not just putting something out there to 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 your point, um, con- continually collect their money from from the rest for the rest of their life. Like it's a, a prison sentence. So we are very, very careful with that. And I think if somebody's thinking about doing a, a subscription service, that should be a high priority for them, for sure. Okay, guys, do you hear that? If you're thinking about a subscription business, you really need to be thinking about what your value proposition is, how much seed money you really have, and whether or not what you're thinking about building is actually attractive to others. So some good research before you even get off the ground to see whether or not something like this might be be a worthwhile idea. And the reality is there are lots of them out there, some really successful, some less so. But again, it comes down to if it's, your business, then it's your reputation. And more important than anything that you might make is making sure that you're protecting your reputation because you're going to need that for the rest of your life. Any parting shots for my group, Gina? Well, I once again, thank you guys for taking time out. If you are thinking about starting your business, um, just go in eyes wide open. And I always encourage people to uh, take that leap. Don't be afraid of it. You know, if, if you've got the, the nerve and the personality to, to tackle something like that and make it happen, don't allow anyone to, to tell you you can't do it because you can do it. Um, you just have to be willing to roll with the punches. And, and, you know, when you get knocked off your horse, make sure you stand up and, and get back on and, and keep trying because it won't come easy. It will be difficult. Uh, but if you have the right mindset and perseverance, then I believe great things come from that. So with that, um, be amazing in all you do. And, and thanks for having me on today, Katie. Gina, thanks for having me. So I just want to take a minute and talk to my listeners for a second. I want you to do me a favor and try to give me some feedback about this, the idea of a subscription financial advice business. I'm kind of curious as to why First of all, I haven't done one and I'm not drawing one up. So you got to know this is not like some subintended idea. I'm really trying to figure out what it is people value and what it is people value enough that they would pay for it. And I'm hoping that you could take a minute and just give me some feedback on ktsmoneymatters.com. There's a place there to kind of give back some feedback. I would like to know from you, if you have a few minutes, one, what you like about the show, two, what you don't like about the show or would like to hear more of or less of. And then I'd like you to take a minute and give me some information about financial advice and how you think you might want to receive financial advice. Now, you know, obviously, if you're listening to my podcast, podcasting is one great way. And I love doing my podcast. I'm always curious about how people get advice in other ways. And so I'd be very interested if you could share some of that with me. Part of it is it can help me direct what it is that I do in the future until we talk again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, 
past episodes and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.